Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cornerstone. Uh, today is Valentine's Day, if you didn't know that. Um, I thought I'd start off by first asking a question and telling a, a short story. The, the question is, is love blind? And the story is just a, I don't know if it's really accurate. It's happened a long time ago, and it's the story of Valentine's, how it came about. So around 290 AD, about 300 years after Jesus, um, the emperor Claudia, I think, he was trying to raise an army, so he needed lots of men to, to, to sign up, and not a lot of them wanted to because they were all married. So he figured a good way to deal with that problem would be to outlaw marriage for a short time because single men might be more willing to fight in his army. But it turned out there was a priest named Valentine who continued to marry people. Um, and eventually the emperor found out about that and he rounded them up and put them in prison and planned to have them executed. But it turned out that the, the guard's daughter was one of the ones that was married by this priest and she would sit by his cell and encourage him this whole time while he was in prison. So the day before he was about to be executed, um, he was moved from the cell so she couldn't see him, but he left a letter and he said, you know, thank you for your support. Uh, pray for me. Love, Valentine. So that's where we get the love Valentine's thing. As for the first question that I asked about is love blind, I had heard before that there were three or four Greek words for love. There's, I think, uh, storga, philia. Storga would be like family love. Philia would be like brotherly love. Eros, which is like romantic love. And agape, which is like godly love. So I wanted to look at Eros because it's romantic love and it's Valentine's Day. So I was looking in the concordance and I was looking in the blue letter Bible and trying to find any Eros in the, in the New Testament, but there's not any. The, the New Testament doesn't talk about Eros at all, um, that I can tell. I might be wrong on that. But I think part of the reason for that would be because Eros is, a, is the Greek god of love and to the Romans, they would have called him Cupid. So what we know is the fat little baby with a bow, an arrow, um, he's, he's Cupid and he's, he's Eros. He is what that is in, in Greek mythology. So the interesting thing about that is that, is that Cupid is, is painted, he's depicted uh, blindfolded, he's blind. So that's kind of where we get that idea um, that the phrase kind of comes from a Shakespeare quote of Cupid painted blind, uh, therefore love is blind. But I don't really think that's true um, because God is love and God isn't blind and God has eyes everywhere and he sees everything, both the good and the bad and the things done in secret. And so I wanted to read out of Ephesians 5. I was going to start with the first verse and then I'll skip down to the part on marriage. But the first verse I thought was interesting because and I've always thought this is an interesting verse is, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Um, I take that as being like God, being like Jesus, following Jesus. Um, and I took that as also being in, in the way that Jesus loves. Because Jesus doesn't love with Eros, because Eros is sort of like something where you're seeking to find something to, to be fulfilled from someone else or something else. Whereas agape is sort of like being fulfilled through fulfilling the needs of someone else. A little bit more like that. It's godly love, and it's not something that we can, you know, 
precisely define, and it's, it's sort of a mystery because we can't really define and, and close in God in these words, but the writer of John thought it was good enough to say that God is love. So of the language that we have, that's probably the best one. So the, the verse specifically is in the instructions for marriage, it's Ephesians 5, through 33, and I'll just read that. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Particularly that verse right there, 25, I looked that up and that word, the love there is agape. So it's husbands, love your wives, like agape your wives, even as Christ also agape the church and gave himself for it. So that's a really good definition of what love is supposed to look like, um, rather than the secular eros that we hear about in, in all the pop songs. That he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So, I don't think love's blind. I, I think God sees. Randy, I'll, I'll have you pray, but first, do we have any uh, announcements or prayer requests? Prayer request? Phil? Glenn Frick passed away. Just keep the Frick family in your prayers. Ivan? Pray for Clem. He's going to have a big sermon here. Praise report, praise report that Ryland has been off dialysis for 24 hours, 27 hours. Calvin struggling with cancer. Dan's brother, Bob, struggling with some kidney, you say? Complications. Kidney complications. Don? For uh, Marilyn Garber and her family. Marilyn Garber and her family. Had a tragic death in the family. Cephas? 
Okay. Yeah. We thank God for being quick and in helping Cornerstone and Heart Michigan support Haitians. Pray that that food will go to those who need it, and and those in charge of that will be protected and safe. Randy.
Well, good morning and wor welcome to worship. I love you. When you hear those words, or when you say those words, what do you mean? What are you really saying? What are you trying to communicate when you say the words, I love you? This morning I want to think about love, not in the arrows sense, but the main word that you will find through the Bible, and I believe every passage that we'll go to this morning will be the word agape that Burke talked about. But when your spouse or your sibling or your parent or your grandma or your friend tells you, I love you, what do you hear? What do you feel? I, I asked several people that throughout the week this week with some varying responses, but in general it seemed it was a, a caring for someone, that they deeply cared for them, that they would be willing to give up for someone else, that they would be willing to sacrifice for someone else kind of seemed to be what most people heard or meant as they told someone that they loved them. This agape love, how do we get it? I I think this will be the only slide that's not, I, I put this up here this morning because we're going to go to several verses and they're not just going to be a verse, but they're going to be passages of scripture and I was, I've been told before that I can lose you and so I didn't want to lose you this morning. I thought this may be helpful to put the passages up there for you to read if you couldn't get there in your Bible quickly. But I still encourage you to use your Bibles this morning if you can. <coughs> Agape love, I would suggest, is, is not motivated by value or worth. And it doesn't determine beforehand whether love will be effective or appropriate in a situation. If you are deciding whether or not to love based on the person or the actions of the person or the circumstances that are happening and you decide that it's just not worth it that's not this agape love that we're talking about this morning agape love is as Burke said, it's, I believe it's motivated by God. It is, 
It is the very essence of God. As you can find in, in 1 John 4, 16 and 17, and, and this was going to be my, my scripture that we were actually just going to go through this morning, and I ended up getting away from it, but we'll just start off with these two verses, really starting in 15. Whoso shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us, God is love. You won't find a definition of love in the Bible. This is really the closest thing you find. There's descriptions of love. It's described what love is. But God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. God is love, and if we will love with this kind of love, we're going to have to allow ourselves to be loved by God and to experience his love first. So I want to see the importance of love. It's throughout Scripture. This topic is huge, and I feel like I'm going to be incomplete this morning. And so I, I just trust that God will speak to your heart in the way that you need to hear it and there are probably going to be things that, that I maybe leave a little open because this subject is huge. Colossians chapter, chapter 3, verses 5 through 14. Here he's, he's going to talk about casting off our old nature and putting on love, basically, our new, our new nature. And he, he gives us this list of things to do. He says, put to death, therefore, your members. And these verses are in New King James up here which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And those are things that we know we need to put off as believers. We know that they're sin. For which things the sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now also put off these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, so he's saying, don't do these things. Don't do these things. Put these things off. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore. Now he's telling us what to do, what to put on. As the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, Ominous of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. These are all very important things, aren't they? And he, he tells us to do them, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. But he gets to verse 14. But more important than any of those things, above all else, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. So more important than all of those other things he listed, he says, it's the most important thing is to put on love. This isn't a singular incident. We can, we can turn over to Romans chapter 13 and read there verses 8 through 10. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. That's saying a pretty big thing. The law, has fulfilled the law like the whole Old Testament, like all of those laws that God gave. 
For this, he goes into that a little bit. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And when we can have this kind of love, He, he says it there again. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. How, how can that be? When we love in this way, you're never going to steal from your neighbor. You're never going to kill. You're never going to commit adultery. You're never going to lie about your neighbor. You're never going to covet, and so on. When you live a life of love, you do, you care about people to the degree that you fulfill the law. I believe that love is personified in the person of Jesus Christ. And so as I speak today, I want you to know that it's only through Christ that we can have this kind of love. And, and I hope I don't say anything that makes you think that it's something that you can muster up on your own. Or that it's something that we just need to try harder at. Because the truth of the matter is, we just need to seek God. We need to seek His love. We need to allow Him to love us and let that flow out through our lives into others. And so you can do, do it two ways. You can go out this week and try to love people better and try to, as you express your gifts and your abilities and helping others out, that you can just do it with a little more love. But I'm going to suggest that that's not what the Scripture is telling us to do and, and some of these others we're going to get to. It's not everything else with a little love. It's love that makes everything else work. Matthew chapter 22. You know, as uh, Burke was talking, he, he mentioned something about the songs. And I'd be willing to bet that there's probably more songs written in any genre about love than anything else. I mean, this world is searching for love. There's, there, it's questions and it's, it's songs about love and on and on it goes. And I, I think of one country song that, that got it pretty right. It said, searching for love in all the wrong places. And that pretty well describes our world today as they seek Eros love to, to fulfill what only agape love can do. But what I want you to see this morning is, that, is the importance of love as we go through these scriptures, that it is... Absolutely the most important thing. Matthew chapter 22, verse 35. Jesus was speaking here, and, and this man comes up to him. One of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And you can go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and find this. Where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and strength, 
And that's what he answers here. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. <clears throat> if you can love God and love people with this agape love, you fulfilled the law. Mark chapter 12 says it's really a, the same thing with a little different word, wording. In verse 28, this man, that one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well, asked him, what's the first commandment of all? Speaking, I suppose, of the greatest is what he meant. And Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely, this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So Jesus gives us this command to love in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give unto you. I think they had that. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Like, it's kind of a new commandment, but he's kind of already commanded them to love each other, right? And we're going to go to the, at the end, we'll see another place where he kind of redefines that love. But I think a big part of, perhaps in this command, something to notice is, as I have loved you, so love each other. And he lays out what Burke shared with us in Ephesians 5, how he loved as he laid down his life, to be, to be able to love with a sacrificial love like Jesus did. <clears throat> Ephesians, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Just That's speaking of, of the love only coming from Christ. And if you are rooted and grounded in Christ, then that's where your love will come from. As you draw up that, that nutrition, that, that uh, life from where you're, you're rooted and grounded in, it's got to be Christ. And when you, when you are rooted there, that will be produced in your life. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. <clears throat> We're going to keep moving here. And go to 1 Corinthians 13. We often think of this as a, a marriage chapter, I think. But it's not really a marriage chapter. This is a, this is a Christian chapter. Like how to live life as a Christian. How, how to love. And it's, it's not just marriage. This is, this is day to day. This is with brothers and sisters and with friends and acquaintances. Everyone that we meet. And... He talks here again, he's going to say how important love is, how it's more important than anything else. Because in verse 12, chapter 12, he's, he just got done talking about all the, um, all the gifts, spiritual gifts, and how good they are, how great they are, and how you should want them, and how you should desire them. And he says in the last verse of chapter 12, 31, he says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, 
And yet I show you a more excellent way. And he begins to speak about love. Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And that sounds kind of cheap to me. So we can, we can speak many languages. We can speak in tongues. We can, we can do all kinds of amazing things, but not be worth much. It's not worth anything, he says. And, and though I have the gift of prophecy, I could preach, I can teach, I can, I can speak well, I can speak truth, and I can understand mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. I mean, that seems to be like if you can remove a mountain, you've got to have it, right? But he says, if you can do that, but you don't have love, you're nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it probably means nothing. And why would, I mean, why would people do some of these things without love? But it is possible. We can give of ourselves, of our time or our finances, and we can feel pretty good about it. And that should not be the motivation for giving. And, and a lot of that happens in life to uh, millions of dollars are given, but it's more of a recognition than it is a care for the place that it's going to. Love, it begins to say what love is. Love suffers long and is kind. It envies not, it vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. Love is not selfish. And that, that's a selfish love really goes back to Eros, I guess. It, it's not agape love if it's a selfish love. And so much of love today is defined in a way that is when you, when there's something in it for me, I love you. And when it's not reciprocated, my love fades. And that's not the kind of love we're speaking about. That's not the kind of love that Jesus told us to have for each other. He told us to have love no matter what how others treat us. I believe that it's giving to the needs of another, expecting nothing in return. And that can be hard to do. And even when we think we're doing it, oftentimes we're not doing it. You know how we can know is because we get disappointed when nothing is what we get back. And it's hard to continue to love day after day. And if it was day after day, it might be okay. But then it goes year after year sometimes. And we get nothing back. <clears throat> Loving and giving. Love and giving go hand in hand, it seems. You know, in John 3, he says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for Christ. God gave Love is action. It's not just an idea. So I ask you this morning, are you a loving person? Are you a loving person, not just to your friends that you get along great with and you give each other cards and take each other out to eat? and That's not what we're talking about. But are you able to love when it's the hardest to love? 
Are you able to love when you're not loved back? I just think about the parable that Jesus gave in Luke chapter 10 of what we call the Good Samaritan. And you know, as we read these verses in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, he says you can do all of these good things. You can do everything just right, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. And I think about that, that priest and that Levite, and these were men that were doing things just right. And you get this Samaritan that comes along when those, those men that went to the right church and did things right couldn't stop for this man. The Samaritan did. He loved him. And this is what love looks like. And no, probably you're not going to get many opportunities to find someone who's been beaten along the side of the road. You've got to find where this fits into your life. You do have these people who are beaten, perhaps not physically, in ways they're bleeding, they are not popular, and when you stop and you hang out with them, it costs you, because there's no doubt this good Samaritan, he had a meeting to be to, or he had a job to get to, or he had something at the other end of that road that he was heading for, I'm sure it wasn't convenient. It's never convenient to love people, it seems. And he sacrificed of his day, but he also got down in that dirt and he got dirty and he got bloody. And perhaps people looked at him and wondered why he was doing what he was doing and he lost popularity. He lost money as he paid for that man's medical expenses and for his night in the, in the inn. He continued to give and to give and to give when... There was nothing coming back. And, you know, it's, it's easy to read that and it makes sense to us that that's what we should do. It's a lot harder when it's real life. And sometimes we're really busy and maybe things aren't always obvious. But I just want to encourage us today to love people. Genesis 1.27 says, God made man in his own image, and the image of God created he them, male and female. God has created all men. And, but for the grace of God, there go I. It's the only difference between me and the man that annoys me to no end. The blood of Christ is the only difference and if we can see that, and if we can understand that I am no different and God has poured out His love on me in spite of my... I, I had a run-in with a brother that, that treated me wrong. And just recently, he attacked me and, and he made me to feel... He, he tried to just say I was doing everything wrong it felt like in life. Is basically his, and, and everything that he said was based on assumptions. And before I met with him, I, I had prayed to God. I didn't know what I was meeting with him about at that time, but I just asked God on the way there just to not let me react, but to let me respond as he would have me respond. And so as I 
talked with this man, I, I really didn't say a whole lot at, at the end, I, although I let him know I, I disagreed with uh, his, where he was coming from. And, and I called him back later, and I, I told him that I forgave him. I told him that he made me feel, he, it felt like he attacked me, and I forgave him for it. But I struggled with loving him. As I sat there and listened to him, I think there was a quick instant when what went through my mind was, I want to punch him. And then that went away quickly, and it was, I don't want to ever want to see him again. And that was the thought that kind of hung around after the interaction. Like, I don't really need to be around this guy. But as I've, and it bothered me for a while, but as I've prayed and I've forgiven him. And what I've realized, and the reason, is I've, I've realized how often I do the same thing. And, and although maybe I don't actually express it all the time, there have been many times when I have built up these conversations in my head, oftentimes based on assumptions, based on something that I perceive, and I have a lot of truth that I'd like to give to somebody. And I got it figured out, and it was just exactly, I do exactly what he did. He went just a little bit farther than I do, it seems like oftentimes. And if I can't love someone who does the same thing that I do, or, but for the grace of God, I would be there. We could go to so many scriptures. God, God says that, that you don't love him if you can't love your brother. And that, that Christ isn't in you if we can't love those around us. And, and so, is Christ, are we allowing Christ to love us, to dwell in us, and allowing that love to flow to us, out of us to others? Even in the hardest of times, I mean, these, there are oftentimes people, we love the person that's spoken of in Genesis 1.27 that God created while oftentimes not loving the sin that they may be living in. It's not the same thing. <clears throat> I don't know who you have in your life that's hard for you to love. But I just encourage you this week to, to follow hard after God. And just to, to ask Him to fill you with love. A love that loves people that you don't even want to love. Now, let's get back here and, and just finish out Corinthians 13 here. Not exactly sure where I quit, but we're going to pick up there in verse in verse four and start again. Love suffers long and is kind. It envies not. It vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. And it just kind of keeps building up here to a climax. It seems it rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes. All things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love never fails. And we often want to give up on people. After years sometimes, after being hurt 
time after time. But this says that love bears, believes, hopes, endures. It doesn't give up. It never fails. And we can see that in Romans 8, Romans 8.35. This love of Christ never fails. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? Think of the worst thing you can think of in your life. Famine, nakedness, peril, sword, as is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels or principalities or powers or things present or things to come or height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And when we experience and live in that love, that's the kind of love we can have with others. We don't allow circumstances and difficult situations and words to, to cause our love to shrink back. The love of Christ never fails. And all these other things he says, they're going to fail. All these things, all these good things that you can do. But he finishes there in verse 13. Now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest is love. So are you a loving person? Sometimes it's hard to love. We're going to get there in a minute. I'm sorry. John 13. He tells us, By this will all men know that you are my disciples. We read verse 34. I think Burke might have mentioned this. By this are all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is how you're known, folks. And the world, this is how the world, it says all men know. Because you can, um, Deaton, Deaton already said this in the opening. You can go to the right church you can wear the right clothes. You can have the right bumper sticker. You can hang out with the right people. But if you don't have love, people see through it. You cannot do things right enough without love that people are going to see you as a Christian. This is the only way that you're going to be known as a Christian is by your love. You might be known for a while. You can fool people for a while. But when it gets down to it, you've got to have love. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 
Jesus again, this goes along, I suppose, with, with verse 34 of, of John 13. Here in verse 43, you've heard that it has been said you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That was maybe the command. or That was how they lived. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. We haven't had a lot of the persecution to experience in our lives. There's no doubt it's coming. But perhaps you've been used or hated, cursed. No doubt you've got enemies in a sense. And he calls us to love them. That you may be the children of our Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth the rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? If you're just loving your friends and you're just loving the fellow people at your church, he says that's, that's not what he's talking about. Don't even the publicans the same? If you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Don't the publicans even do that? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And that word perfect came in a lot of these verses right along with this loving. The Colossians start out, it's the bond of perfection. And, and uh, Romans and uh, Mark, I believe, they, it wasn't Mark, another one said that, use the word perfection or perfect, be perfect as he's perfect. And this is the only way, is by loving others. You know, as I read this, I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. And you've, you've heard the term heaping coals of fire upon your head, as Romans kind of talks about and how we can love people and and what that how love changes people when we continue to treat them I, I hear the golden rule here and I think I had to think about the difference between the silver rule and the golden rule and a lot of religions would would teach the silver rule don't do to others what you don't want done to you and that sounds pretty good. If you don't want somebody to, to hurt you, don't hurt them. If you don't want them to steal from you, don't steal from them. And yet that's such a passive approach. And the, the golden rule in the Bible teaches active love. Do to others what you want them to do to you. Bless others. Um, pray for others. Do good to others. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. So, there is a difference between, uh, I, I believe anyway, between loving someone and liking someone. I think you children could relate to that. You probably love your parents, but there's, not, there's a lot of times in life where you don't always like them some of the decisions that they're making, and in that moment, you don't, you don't like your parents very well. And yet that love still exists, and, and there can be people in our lives that, that we can love without necessarily liking. And so I, I would encourage you not to, to 
connect those two too tightly. Um, but that we should love all men in spite of whether or not we like them. 1 Corinthians 16 says, let all you do be done in love. And just that every day, every action that we take, every word that we speak, every relationship that we have, that it's out of a care for people. That we are loving, as Genesis 127, the, the person that God has created. And being able to see past the faults and the failures and to recognize that we have nothing except for the love of God in us. So I encourage you this week to keep this in mind. Um, Valentine's Day can be a fun day to pass out hearts and probably feel a little more of the Eros love um, idea. But I, I wanted to go a little deeper today and I just hope that he, somehow your mind has been encouraged and stimulated um, to a godly love for all men, including your enemies, including those that persecute you, which, which may come here before long. Am I going to feel that just a little more than you've ever felt that in the past? And it's pretty easy for us, because of what we're used to, to kind of rear up and say this, that this isn't right, and that we can't love these people, we can't understand them, and we've got to understand through the love of God that we can't understand. And we can't expect sinners to live right. So let's just keep pouring love on those around us. And God bless you this week as you do that. Let's have a song.